This is Wits, the podcast from American Public Media. I'm John Moe. I'm the host of the show, which explains all my persistent talking. Wits is many things. Wits is a stage show that we present at the Fitzgerald Theater in St. Paul, Minnesota, the town in which I live, the town in which I presently sit. And uh, on that stage at the Fitzgerald, we bring in uh, actors and comedians and musicians, writers sometimes, people who we think are really fun, smart, talented, nice folks. And we hang out with them, we do some comedy, we play some music, we have some conversations, surprises occur. Wits is also a podcast, which is the form you're listening to right at the moment. And uh, on the weeks where we don't have a stage show to put on the podcast, we do more of a sort of informal thing here. We talk to people who've been on the show before or will be on it again, and uh, we have some fun with them. And maybe we play some uh, stuff that we did on stage, you know, for fun. So this is our week of relative calm. It comes between our stage shows. Last week we had Dave Foley from Kids in the Hall News Radio and singer-songwriter Mike Doty on stage. That show is now on the podcast. It was the previous episode to this. You can check that out on iTunes. Make sure that when you're on iTunes, you comment about our show, you review it, you subscribe to it, you give it stars. That all helps us immensely. Coming up on the 16th of November on stage at the Fitzgerald Theater, we'll welcome Julia Sweeney uh, from you know, you know her as Pat, of course, from Saturday Night Live and from uh, God Said Ha, which is her monologue movie that she did from all sorts, from Pulp Fiction. Julia was in Pulp Fiction. And Martha Wainwright will also be a part of that show of the singing Wainwright family. Let's uh, let's take a look at the rundown here and see what we have on deck for the podcast today. Here is producer Larissa Anderson. Hey, John, I think Julia's scene was actually cut from Pulp Fiction. No. Wasn't it cut? No, no, no. I think she's in Pulp Fiction. Hmm. I'll have to consult the internet. All right. I've well, seen it on internet, <laughs> but I just didn't know that it was, I thought that it had been cut from the movie. Maybe not. No, because- Maybe, you know what I bet I've seen. What? I think there is a scene that was cut. Right. But maybe, You're think- maybe both things can be true. You're thinking of Scooby-Doo, because he was originally in Pulp Fiction, uh, as one of the gangsters uh, with with Samuel L. Jackson and John Travolta. Scooby-Doo? Scooby-Doo. It was an animated uh, drop-in. And then, like, whenever they would shoot somebody, he'd go, uh-oh. <laughs> and, Someone give him Scooby's neck? Yeah, and Tarantino just felt like it, it slowed things down. And so he was ultimately cut out. Well, Scooby-Doo is no Julia Sweeney. <laughs> I think we can safely say that they don't have a lot of similarities. <laughs> Well, anyway, scrappy do on the other hand. Scrappy, scrappy do. Scrappy don't. <laughs> so in this podcast, we're going to look backward and we're going to look forward. Ah, eyes in the front and in the back, like a monster. Like a monster, yeah. Yes. So we've actually we we're talking about Julia so much. We actually have a little chat with Julia first up. Yes, we love Julia. It's a fun interview. And uh, then we have some a little bonus sketch from our first stage show of the season, last week's show you mentioned with Dave Foley and Mike Doty. Um, this is a visit from the theater ghost at the Fitzgerald Theater. Right, right. He appeared on stage and he spoke unto us. And we just we weren't able to squeeze it into the uh, one-hour radio show version. Right. It was too spooky. Yeah, we want we don't want to haunt radios. No, no. <laughs> so we'll just could damage your radio having a ghost in there. So we'll just uh, we'll listen to that here in well, the podcast. That sounds like a plan. Are you John Moe? Yeah. Here you go. Oh, who's thanks. that? John, what's going on? Oh, um, well, Larissa, this is. Uh, we just walked in our studio. We're recording. 
I, I, yeah, uh, this, what does this say? The courier just came in. Oh, wow. Okay, this is- uh, What? This is uh, this is pretty remarkable. I've just received Mitt Romney's tax returns. What? Yeah, these are, <laughs> I can't believe that these are the complete returns, the ones that he never disclosed during the campaign. That, that was a courier just came in and dropped these off. And there's a note on top saying, John, I have nothing left to hide. Please share these with the Wits podcast audience. Love, Mitt. Do, how, how do you know Mitt Romney? I mean, I... I didn't talk about it much during the campaign because it, it seemed like a distraction and I kind of didn't want to brag. But yeah, Mid and I, we yacht together, you know, yacht racing, sometimes some uh, fox hunting. Is that even legal? Oh, well, Mid just hires a guy to dress up as a fox and then we use paintball guns. It's it's actually pretty awesome. But OK, here, let's uh, see what these tax returns say. Looks like we have 10 years of returns here. My goodness. Oh, anything scandalous? Well, I'm no CPA or anything, but let's see here. Uh, Okay, 2010. This looks weird. Romney filed this under medical expenses. $3 million for shake weights. What are shake weights? Oh, my gosh. Haven't you seen those infomercials late at night? It's like a hand weight that shakes back and forth. Oh, okay. Kind of an adult. Right. Infomercial. Right. Okay. Wow. That that surprises me. Here's five hundred thousand on Miss Cleo's psychic hotline. One point two million on thigh masters and eight hundred thousand on Ginsu knives. And look, four million dollars on Snuggies. Wait, what? Are, what are Snuggies? I don't remember those ones. Those are those like blankets that you're supposed to wear when you you watch TV. Oh, like the full the like dress blanket. The yeah. Fl- the full dress blanket. Yeah. He spent a bundle on. Any those. Flobies? No, no, no flobies. His hair is so exact. I think he's fine on the on the flobies. I don't <laughs> see that, but boy, he must have had insomnia, something fierce. Right, Those infomercials are pretty pretty compelling. They hook you in. Um, okay, oh seven, a five hundred thousand dollar write off for Cybertronic parts parentheses empathy implant for two thousand eight campaign close parentheses. Not sure what that's about. And again in two thousand nine, upgrade empathy implant. Add vigorousness. Hmm, that's interesting. Well, I mean, you need vigorousness for a campaign. I never saw it as an implant before. Okay, here we go. What? Okay, wow. What? No, I'm just. Uh, wow, this explains a lot. Well, are you going to share? I'm. So, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Just <laughs> this is super, okay. Romney is supposed to have a, a net worth of two hundred fifty million, right? Yeah. Okay, twenty eleven. $250 million in gambling losses at the dog track. Ooh, he blew it all on the track? The dog track. What? You know what that means. Was he, he was running because he needed a job? He needed a job. He needed work. Oh, man. He was, whoa. What? Okay, <laughs> that weird timing. I just got an email. Ooh, Mitt Romney sent me an invitation to connect on LinkedIn. LinkedIn? He's looking for work. That's awkward. I'll get back to him on that one. From time to time, we like to check in with our wits emeritus or emeriti from the uh, luxurious clubhouse where they all lounge about in overstuffed chairs wearing smoking jackets. Yes. We are pleased to welcome our very first ever wits guest from way back uh, from decades ago, Julia Sweeney. Hi, Julia. Hello. How are you doing? <laughs> They're taking care of you at the home. Back in the 30s when we started wits. It was only it was only on wax cylinder back then. <laughs> exactly. 
exactly. And vaudeville. <laughs> yeah. I understand that that you are uh, holed up uh, working on a new book. You're, you're, you've been in book lockdown. Can I ask what the book's about? Um, well, it's, oh, you know, I could say that it's partly what's related, even. Yeah? Because um, I did the story of Mulan, my daughter, yes. learning about sex twice. Once at TED, a three-minute version, and then like a longer version that was on Wits. And we put it on YouTube, and it's gained over two million views. Yes, and so, all, and and of course, you know, I could also do an entire two-hour show about my conflicted feelings about that <laughs> because I felt like I was exploiting my daughter. But then, which I guess I was—I don't know—I I didn't, of course, anticipate that it would get so many hits. And then um, I started writing up stories, that being one of them. And I put together about a third of the book, and then about a year ago, I had my agent send it out, and I made a deal with a book publisher that has been a sort of nightmare from beginning to end. Oh, boy. In fact, on Wednesday, I found out that the imprint that I'm with, Free Press, has been dissolved, and everyone mm. I've been working with for a year uh, was let go. Oh, jeez. <laughs> so, but I think it might be good because... It was like an imprint to Simon Schuster, and I guess Simon Schuster is also an imprint to Simon Schuster. Okay. <laughs> and so I've been assigned to a new person. Goodness. But the book the book lives on then. But the book lives on. It's called If It's Not One Thing, It's Your Mother, based nice. on, and that's just one of the stories, which is about a pillow my mother gave me without saying on it, which I hated, but then I learned to appreciate. It basically is just like parenting stories, I will say that. But it also has darker elements to it. It's not just light. I remember, uh, I believe it was the song publishing company uh, for the band Soundgarden was, uh, the name of the, their publishing company was In One Ear and Out Your Mother. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's a, that's a really good yeah. title. <laughs> Get on that. Well, <laughs> when you were on Wits, you, you said, you know, uh, this is sort of my last gasp for telling <laughs> stories about my I daughter. I'm retiring it. This is sort I of a retirement it's party. It's your fault because so many people watched it. <laughs> I couldn't, I mean, I, it's been a really complicated journey. I feel like I could write a book just about the journey in that after I did that, I was like, that's it. My daughter, she was like 10 then, was that a couple years ago? And And she was was at the show, as I recall. Yeah. And she was there. And then I thought, well, that's it. Then it became such a thing on YouTube that Mulan, my daughter was saying, well, my teacher came up to me today and said he watched a YouTube video. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. So then I was like, okay, but I'll never do that again. Then she'd come to my show and go, you didn't even tell any stories about me. Ah. <laughs> so she, she had mixed feelings about it. So then I was in an awkward state of having to protect her on either end of her feelings. Like, she didn't want me to do it, but then she really did want me to do it. Right. And then because that story, because it was about sex, was all the other stories I tell her about her are so tame compared to that. <laughs> but it seemed silly to stop doing it because of this one thing that was already out there. So she said, no, I think it's okay. You can do it. And then, um, and then I sold the book and now I'm doing it. And I have to say it's an ongoing, it's an unresolvable, difficult and wonderful thing that I'm writing about my daughter. I have to say (laughs) for her and me, it's difficult to manage her, her YouTube viral video fame. (laughs) Yes, because she likes it and doesn't like it, like anyone would. Sure. You know what I mean? Like, I totally understand that. Well, I mean, when, when you look at your career, some of the things you've talked about are very personal, but you 
you came to decide to talk to them after being in the entertainment industry, being a full-grown adult, you know, talking about God, talking about cancer. And also, like, when my parents, like, which I feel like anybody's parents are fair game. Absolutely. But your kids are a murky area. Well, I mean, did did the same template of how to manage that fame and personal life and and what's public and what's private, did that template serve you when, when trying to help out your daughter? No. (laughs) Maybe a little bit. I think it's so different with the kid. I really do feel like parents are fair game. If Mulan wanted to do a show about how, you know, I stink when I go to the bathroom, I would just say, good, do it. (laughs) I mean, I think that's okay. I think I didn't really understand what I was getting myself into with my daughter. But, of course, now I'm like, okay, I'm writing this book, and then that's it. That's the end. (laughs) God, now now I kind of shudder to think what we're going to do to your life the next time you're on Wits on November 16th. No, no, I don't think it will be that. It won't be that. <laughs> Man, alive. Well, uh, you know, when we were talking about, uh, you know, because we've always wanted to have you back on, I'm like, but, you know, she said that she was retiring from a lot of that storytelling, but she'll no, come up with something. Although, I have to say, the things I have after this book, well, after this book is published, which is April 3rd, then I'm going to do the book that goes to letting go of God. And then the next two things, and who knows what life brings, but the next two things after that um, are, it's me using my personal life for, in, and turning it into fiction, which is what I really wish I would just do already. <laughs> <laughs> right. You could just make things up also. You know, oh my God. I know I'm so jealous because, well, actually I'm reading, I'm writing the screenplay and then there's this other book, but it is so exciting to be able to take a character and make her yourself, but then also add in all this other stuff that you don't have to be worried about being tied to the truth. And that is really exciting to me, that idea, but it's hard to know if it will be as powerful. Like I don't, know if it will be. I find it's kind of hard to wrap one's mind around the possibilities. I've been actually writing some some fiction lately myself for, for a book project I'm doing, and it's like, well, how am I going to you know, narrow down, like if it's life experience, then here's what happened and you can tell it, you know, in whatever way you want, but you have the foundation. With fiction, you're like, oh, I just have to choose between all possibilities in the entire <laughs> no, world. it's true. It's the, the math is staggering. I, think. I know, like, I think the the first time I went from like writing sitcoms, because I would like if I was on a staff writing a sitcom or a pilot, then I wrote an animated episode. And oh. that actually freaked me out because it felt like I was stepping off the earth. You can go anywhere or do anything. Right. It's just a matter of drawing it. And I guess that's what reminded me about <laughs> you saying that. It's almost terrifying. The restrictions are your friend, and it makes you feel kind of safe, and you get to be creative within this certain really clear structure. And, um, and of course, with life, that's really easy because, you, you know, you might rearrange events or you might embellish something slightly, but you're really stuck with what happened. And that is comforting because you can't just say, then my family flew to Mars, right? Yeah. That couldn't have happened. So that kind of grounds you. But then when you're working in fiction or outside of it, it's almost like it's just too many possibilities. That's Julia Sweeney. Julia will be coming here to St. Paul on the 16th of November to join us live on stage for Wits. Uh, So you want to be at that show. If you can get to St. Paul, Minnesota, do so. 
On our previous stage show, we had Dave Foley and Mike Doty with us. And it sounds weird, but there was a paranormal experience at the uh, at the Fitzgerald Theater. And, um, you know, I, I'm not really a, a believer or disbeliever when it comes to, to ghosts and the paranormal, but I can't deny what happened on the stage. And uh, we did capture it through our microphones. And um, I just want to give you a chance to, to listen into this and, and see if you can hear the ghost. Welcome back. This is Wits coming up in this part of the show. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll have more uh, music. Uh, okay, I was afraid of that. Dave, I'm, I'm really sorry that this has happened. Clanky, clank, clank on the chains. Ooh. What, uh, what exactly is going on? It's the theater ghost. The Fitzgerald's a very old theater, historical landmark, and like a lot of old theaters, it has a ghost in it. Hello, theater ghost, we are contacting you. Hello. Yes, I apologize for terrifying you. Okay, no, you, you, you didn't terrify me in it the just, least. It's just, I don't have any actual chains, so yeah. I have to act the clanking sounds with my mouth. Yeah, I, I don't think mouth clanking really counts as acting, actually. It is somewhat degrading, I admit. I used to be a star. I once trod the boards of this very theater in all the great roles. Hamlet, Lear, experimental Hamlet with political messages forced into the play. <laughs> Macbeth. Whoa, whoa, isn't it bad luck to say the name of the Scottish play in a theater? It's fine for me, I'm already dead. Oh, good point. The rest of you may be joining me in short order if a lighting rigging falls upon you. Oh, now boo! come on, no. Boo! Don't boo, boo them. Boo. Be nice. Okay. Look, we're trying to do a show here. Is there something I can help you with, Theater Ghost? I have a name, you know. Oh, we have talked about this. My name is Chauncey Excellent Actor. That is, there is no way that's a real name. How do you know? Were you alive when I was a star, John Moe, in the year 1800 and oldie time? <laughs> I think not. That's not even the real name of a, a Back year. Back then, we wouldn't have simply collected a child from the hallway and put him on the stage. Okay, no, 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 no. Dave Foley was, was in a sketch comedy group called... The kids in the oh, hall. Oh, oh, that makes sense because he's, he looks older than a, a child. Yeah. It, no, Dave, yeah. you weren't abducted. No, 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 I, no, they actually flew me up here. It was really quite nice. Yeah. yeah. By your own choice, they didn't abduct you and put you on a plane. He, no, he, he's, yeah, no, uh, he's a grown man. We couldn't oh, have yeah. abducted okay, him. Okay, I believe you. I believe All right. You. I must admit, I am impressed with the singer made of dough, however. <laughs> Your modern baking technology is a marvel. No, he's not, he's not, he's, he's not, he's, he's just, not, his name is Mike Doty. Oh, okay, I, I thought he was singing no. differently because he was at a lower altitude, so I thought. No, he was, uh, he's, there's, he's not like any, he don't, look, I'm happy to chat with you backstage right. about whatever it is you want, but we have a show to do now, so what, what is it? You mean, why am I doomed to haunt this theater? Yeah, sure, okay, we'll, we'll do it that way. Uh, do we need to dig up your body or deliver a message to your grandchildren? Throw something in a well, maybe? I need attention. So you're an actor who won't be free of his curse until he gets enough attention? Well, it just sounds sad when you say it. It is kind of sad. <laughs> or is it tragic? 
Look, I'm always looking for ways to improve the show. Do you have something you can do? Do oh, you have an act of yes, some kind? Yes, yes, I want to do that thing that is so popular nowadays. What is it called? Vertical buffoonery. Stand-up comedy. Yes, yes, I'm sorry, yes. Stand-up uh, comedy. Okay, yes, well, yes. sure, go ahead. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, what is up? Are you like me? Do you find it annoying to travel through the air in a fantastical metal bird? Is it me, or is the food not particularly appetizing? Okay, air airplanes don't even serve food anymore. Oh, thank you, thank you for correcting my jokes, most helpful. <laughs> How about this? I, for one, grow tired of passing through the gates of security and having my liquid toiletries seized. What I ask you is the deal with that. Okay, I... You know, I have another suggestion here, that this is terrible stand-up comedy. But that, it's not really a suggestion, but I'm not gonna fight you on it, so... Uh, you're assuming I only needed positive attention, yeah. but like most actors, I will take what I can get. Okay, well... You got some, so are you ready to depart the physical plane? Oh, no, 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 not yet. I'm, I'm getting there, I'm getting okay. there, though. Good night, lovely audience. Whom shall you call? Theater ghost! Boo! Clanky clank! I have chains. Chauncey the theater ghost, everyone. And that's it for this week. Next week, our live show with Julia Sweeney and Martha Wainwright. Comedian Mary Mack will be part of that as well. If you want to go to that live and in person at the Fitzgerald Theater, you can find more information at witsradio.org. Thanks to Joseph Scrimshaw, who put us in touch with Chauncey the Theater Ghost. Joseph was our, our medium there, I suppose you can say. You can find us online at witsradio.org, on Twitter at wits, and on Facebook, Facebook at facebook.com slash wits.radio. We're even on Instagram. You can find us on Instagram at witsapm. You can find me hanging outside the 7-Eleven, glaring at people. You can find trouble if you're looking for it. I'm John Moe. Bye now. You should have been gone!